hanging out with you from the East Valley Institute of Technology, the nationally round Skills USA winner over year after year. Wrench Nation coming at ya. A big shout out to all you students on campus. I know you're grinding. If you're new to the show, wrenchnation.tv is where it's at. Always an honor to spend it with you mechanical maniacs right here. You guys have heard it. A lot of you have been hanging with us for many years. You're getting free knowledge. We're dropping knowledge bombs, solving mechanical homicides is what I say. Get on wrenchnation.tv. In fact, I'll remind you, we had an awesome time. We had uh, Lynn St. James and Cindy Sisson, uh, women in motorsports. Uh, they came on the show. That's a great episode. You guys can catch it because I know you people. You leave me. You come and go. You're busy. You're cutting lawn on Saturday. You drink it. You, hard, you worked hard all week. And maybe you're drinking. You're drinking hard and you come in and out of the show. But that podcast on wrenchnation.tv, I guarantee you, you'll find a show that'll light it up for you uh, from guests from all over the world. In fact, I'm honored to have, uh, well, let's just step back a little bit. A lot of you right now. You got squeaks. You thought it was a mouse caught in the hubcap. Not the case. Although I will tell you, in my younger years wrenching, I did. This is a true story. My friend in studio, get on the mic. Yes. Have you ever heard of this? You, 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 ever, you ever think for a moment that a brake squeak could be attributed to a dead mouse in the hubcap? I have not heard of that before. I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not legit, I'll tell you that. Now, okay. a lot of you do have a brake squeak, and, and you think it's innocent. Because a lot of you, this is what you do. It's like anything else. You had chest pain, it went away. You coughed it up as a meatball. You had brake squeak, it went away. You coughed it up as no problem. But a brake squeak is a problem. It is essentially the warning. An indicator. Yeah, but big, like I'm thinking consumer psychology. How can I save money? That squeak is going to save you money if you get after it. Because what the squeak does is it goes to the grind. And then your car is dancing the Macarena as you brake. So I'm honored. We're going to do this. And we'll do this like once every four months. I'll cover brakes. A lot of you are sloppy on your brakes. And for all my industry peers, uh, we're going to get down to, look, the worst thing that we can do as an industry I'm sorry, is use poor quality parts. Now, some of you are saying that's debatable because uh, high quality equals budget. We're going to talk about that. I'm talking about high quality as in even if you're just a car enthusiast doing it on the weekend or if we're a professional in the, in the garage, the worst thing we can have is you come back in the garage because I decided to go with a brake pad that's made next to the uh, that coconut tree that grows in some country I've never heard of. So quality breaks. We're going to offer some tips, and 
I, uh, I've had I've had Dino Crescentini of uh, Dynamic Friction Company. Um, he's he's the godfather of brakes, and we're going to find out. Godfather of brakes. That's a title. That's quite a title. And Dino Dino's a humble cat, but he's going to share his story, his mission with his awesome team at uh, DFC, serving the industry as an award-winning premier manufacturer of uh, what we use in the bays, man. A lot of you saying, wow, those professional mechanics, what are they doing differently? Well, quality is a big is a big deal. And a lot of you there are shopping around for brakes. Listen, like a pair of shoes, I can buy $9 shoes. And I may be able to walk, but I may break an ankle if I'm not using that shoe right. Quality is everything. And we're not saying to go overspend. That's not what it's about. The old adage, you get what you pay for. You do. And, and look, man, some of you are selling your hoopties. I get it. Sell the car. You don't want to spend money. But we still got to be safe. And uh, so we're going to get into some break tips, uh, talk about why uh, Dynamic Friction Company, you guys visit dynamicfriction.com, is the leader of manufacturing brake components, period. It's simple. I'm not giving you pomp and circumstance. And we're going to talk to Dino as well as uh, Dan Bizonski. He's a vice president of sales over at Dynamic Friction. He's a stand-up guy. And I've got a very special story dan's family got a bunch of young racers on the track a lot of you are bringing up your kids on the track and and some of you have that interest and but you're busy you're saying oh i got soccer i got this so we're going to talk a little breaks we're going to talk race family but until then uh wrenchnation.tv go check it out we're going to talk a little bit about tesla big shout out to Susie socket by the way she couldn't make it she texted me literally minutes before the show that of course, Susie owns uh, Singing Panda. She's fantastic. Uh, she's fantastic. But you know what happens? It's live radio. People, we're not recording anything. We're not polishing anything. It's raw. It's organic. And she couldn't make it. She thought she'd be late, but she said, I can't make it. It's the way it goes. So uh, I want to go through a series of recalls as we try to cover Ford had a recall. Ford Explorer. A lot of you like Good that Explorer. It's got a nice little powerful motor. Some of you blowing out engine mounts prematurely because you're running it too hard. I see you. I'm driving a Ford radio van right today. Yeah. The Ford. Yeah. You like that acceleration. Hey, it rides nice. If you're late, do you hit that pedal? I go cruise control. I like All that right. Cruise that control. keeps you got that a nice, easy, easy manages. Easy, that computer yeah. will manage it. the highway. You. Cruise control. But a lot of you, that's a good point. Before I get to this recall, affected 238,000 Ford Explorers. You need to listen. And I got Mercedes. Put your pinkies up. I got a Mercedes recall as well. A lot of you are accelerating like madmen and mad women. Some of you are literally mad at that moment because you are what? Life happens. You're late or something. Boom, boom. You accelerate like a maniac. I see you in the garage. You're busting up your motor mounts because you're really straining them out. So be, 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 just be mindful. Now, what are the symptoms of the mounts going out? You could have excessive vibration at idle. That's an indication that the mounts are... Getting old, but more importantly, related to your heavy foot on the accelerator. It's not a go-kart, people. Slow down. <laughs> like, the mounts will separate. I'm going to make it simple. You ready? Make pretend a jelly donut is made of full-on rubber. That's right. I said jelly donut made of full-on rubber with no jelly. And it's rubber. And you cut that rubber in half. What does it do? It separates. It's like talking at you. It's the same with engine mounts. Now, my professionals are laughing at me, but that's as basic as I can get. 
Motor mounts are rubber blocks of rubber. They could look like donuts. They could look like squares and rectangles. They keep that engine in its comfortable, cozy place and reduce the harmonics. All my musicians, they love harmonics. Reduce the harmonics, which are vibrations, noises, and all kinds of stuff. So when you accelerate like a maniac, every time, every day, you're allowed once a week maniacal accelerationals. (laughs) If your aunt's pregnant, take her to the hospital, accelerate. Hit the pedal. (laughs) But that shouldn't be routine driving. Because what happens is you come into the garage and it's premature. You're at like, I don't know, 52,000 miles. And man, I feel a vibration and I hear a clunk. Remember that rubber separates. It cracks in half. Slice that jelly donut in half. You got two pieces. When you accelerate, the motor lifts and bang, bing, bong, bing, clunk. And now you premature wore it out. So I see that on the Ford Explorer because that's a very torquey motor, uh, those EcoBoost. I have one. I have an 05. And I'm heavy. I'm sorry. I don't abide by my rules. I break rules. I'm a hypocrite. And I go through motor mounts because <laughs> I am late. But Ford is recalling uh, 238,000 of these uh, 20 to 22 Explorers. You got a rear axle horizontal mounting bolt. Fancy for go figure your hip bone comes disconnected. Right? Joints have to stay connected. Bones need to be in the right place. Suspension components need to do the same. Well, apparently uh, this can cause that mounting bolt that will fracture. Oh, my gosh. The drive shaft to disconnect. Yikes. A drive shaft that is disconnected can cause the drive power to stop. In other words, you died in flight. Uh, it also can cause a vehicle rollaway. Hence, our federal government has issued a recall. Do we like vehicles randomly rolling away? No, we don't. <laughs> so, uh, real simple. I, I've said this before on the show. You guys, uh, especially a lot of you that are looking to buy a used car, you're big shots. You looked under hood. You did all the stuff. You're going to buy it. You put your fuzzy dice. And meanwhile, you've got a vehicle that's rolling around with outstanding recalls. You can get on to NHTSA.gov. I have that all over the website. Before you buy a vehicle, make sure that those recalls uh, have been performed. Or if you not don't care, just know that you could be rolling around. Great advice, right? In this case, with uh, these SUVs, these Ford uh, 20 to 22, uh, it also goes on to say... Just double checking because that, I mean, I heard drive shaft, the risk of crash. We heard that. Subframe bushings and rear axle bolts will be replaced by dealers. Now, be nice, people. A lot of you get angry when you get a recall. Like, nah, nah, nah. Be nice to the dealership people. They're all working folks just like you. So you may have to wait a little bit. It uh, is this, an inconvenience. It is. Overall, However, take care of your stuff. A, a, a recall is not going to cost you. Uh, Ford did say, uh, they're going to notify folks November 6, 2023. I gave it to you early. We got some federal government insight. <laughs> we got some wrench nation plants behind the scenes in the government. Not really. Uh, the recall number, if you want to know is two, uh, three Sam 55. I'll have it in show notes for all my podcast family. Now we did mention Mercedes. How many are you driving Mercedes? Oh, wait a minute. I didn't see this. An AMG SL55. Oh, you're driving a Mercedes. <laughs> Those are nice. I get them in the garage. SL63 and the SL55, uh, 22 and 23. New vehicles. Um, 
There is a problem. Let's look and read here, radio person. Uh, Mercedes-Benz is recalling. It's a small recall, but there's uh, not many of these uh, AMG SL55 and SL63s. Vehicles, uh, because the starter and the alternator electrical wiring harness may not be in the right place. My goodness, what's happening in Deutschlander? Wow. Factory employees, you can't get lazy on Friday at 3 when you're making an SL63. So there's some going on. Uh, starter and alternator electrical wiring harness may not be in the right place. Was ist los mit der Deutschlander Mercedes? Not in the right place. This can cause a short circuit and a loss of drive power. Listen, all you AMG folks, you don't need a loss of power. There's plenty of power plant. Uh, you get that loss of drive power, which may cause the harness to overheat. This can either increase the risk of crash or increase the risk of fire. We don't want crash or fire. My question is, is why is it still a question? May, it may, the car's already been created. It's being driven. And now the manufacturer is saying it may not be in the right place. Well, listen, the way these things work. How is that worded? Why is that worded? I think it's a very good question. Because then some, some would say, well, Frank, what is the criteria for the federal government to issue recall? Um, and, and understand that manufacturers will will rebuttal uh, at times. Uh, sometimes they can come out with a consumer campaign, which means we'll take care of it. Remember, recalls is a stain on a brand. I don't care if it's a dishwasher or this these AMGs, SL55 and SL63. When a pattern of dangerous failures present themselves, which means you called the dealership, the dealership regionally, wherever at, noticed a pattern of some safety stuff. Engineers are notified, especially on newer platforms. A lot of you electric vehicle peoples, you're driving them, but that's not exact science. There's a ton of, and in that case, they do over-the-air updates, which is like your phone getting overnight getting updated. But these recalls are issued based upon pattern failures they see. Now, does Mercedes want to have an ongoing 100,000 serious situation? So it's been reported, NHTSA reviews it, and typically crash, fire, safety, it's a problem. And you can go back in time, and you had the Toyota accelerator pedal issues, where carpet was, you know, they had to, you know, it was, sounded innocent, a carpet got in the way with the accelerated pedal. But uh, you, when you have deaths, that's a serious thing. Firestone, for example, with their tires. Because of Firestone, we now, a lot of you, look at that little pesky tire light. I got plenty of air in my tires, but that tire light comes on. A lot of you say, hey, I don't need a tire light. But because of Firestone's rollover, the federal government is charged to protect the consumer, the safety of the consumer. So this is definitely both on this Mercedes and uh, Ford Explorer a safety issue. Um, so I hope that answers that. It does. And now some manufacturers will fight it because they will argue it's not. It's an innocent correction. Some would debate, well, that's a brand protecting a brand. They don't want to recall stain because uh, maybe not in Mercedes case, but that, that could devalue a brand in the consumer's eyes especially around a time of year, let's say third or fourth quarter, where we're really moving product to bring in the 24s. We're going to be selling lots of cars. So that's the deal with recalls. But again, NHTSA.gov, I'll have that in show notes. I want you guys to stick around. We're going to dive deep into breaks. I got an incredible story. A lot of you heard Godfather. You said, what do you mean Godfather? Godfather of breaks. 
Mr. Dino Crescentino. He is awesome, has a serious, serious legendary background, actually, in the automotive industry. And I also have Dan. Dan's got Dan's amazing. I can't wait to talk to Dan, actually, because mainly uh, Dan represents all of these manufactured parts coming out of DFC. Uh, Dan Bazinski, who's vice president, I want you guys to take a, a quick break with us, and then we'll be back. Ranch Nation. Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry. Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com. Automotive technical training, parts lineup, and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com. Whether you're looking for a full-service direct mail or you just simply want a few marketing materials printed for use in your store, Mail Shark has got you covered. With over 10 years of client service success with direct mail postcards, restaurant box toppers, magnets, and so much more, MailShark is there to help your marketing team acquire the clients you deserve. Pay weekly, pay as you go. There is no pressure, no contracts, direct mail. For more details, visit themailshark.com. 52% of the population family are women. We love you ladies, but less than 3% of you women are professional technicians. Our charity partner, Tech Force Foundation, believes if we want to solve this little technician shortage, we need to start talking to 52% of these ladies out in the population. Head on over. If you feel like you can tinker with the best of them, head on over to techforce.org. Bolt-on Technologies, automotive software solutions. Auto repair shops that have bolt-on technology software Provide customer vehicle condition reports, including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me, my clients, and they're likely not to come back? Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, Get on to PartsAuthority.com. Check locations nationally near you. PartsAuthority.com. Right now, welcome back, Wrench Nation. Get on to WrenchNation.tv. Some of you even try to do your own breaks, and that's respectable. You know, weekend, you get what have you, get your parts, and but afterwards, you still have a problem. So we, we want to provide a brief overview and explanation of some of the break tips, and who better than to do it with uh, some of the leading players, award-winning Dynamic Friction Companies, uh, Dino Crescentini. Dino, are you there? Let's bring Dino up. Dino, are you there? Uh, Frank, I'm here. Right on. I'm also going to bring in Dan. Dan Bizonski, are you there? Hey, hey, Frank. It's me. Right on. Hey, listen, I want to make sure I don't I didn't butcher the last name because I'm just like, I'm going to call him Danny B. Uh, is it Bizonski? We do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. Right. So, Story of my life. Yeah, Bizonski's fine, but Danny B works just fine, too. All right. So, Dino, we're going to step back in time. You've been on the show about, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago. Always admire your story 
For those that are new to Dynamic Friction and your legendary history, Dino, I have to ask your early years in the automotive industry, what, what triggered you? You know, some of us start things and we liked it and then we moved on. How did you start and what was your momentum to keep you inspired to keep going today? I really want to go back in time. I mean, I got a picture of myself, uh, you know, one and a half years old in diapers holding a wrench in front of a Fiat. So Yeah, I love it. How <laughs> far back did you want to go? <laughs> I mean, well, uh, let's... Know, my father was a me- mechanic, and then he started a, a parts business, uh, Alpha, Alpha Recombi, Auto Dealer Supplies in the 70s, and I, I was his, uh, you know, I was free labor, so, you know, I was <laughs> purchasing, I was uh, running, you know, running parts, I was doing whatever. Uh, but then we started a company back in 1982 uh, called Auto Specialty. Um, some of your old timers might have heard of that. Uh, we focused on brakes. A very successful company um, sold that in '96. Stayed on a couple years, and then um, started a small company called Centric Parts in uh, in 2000. I got to stop you right there. Centric Parts. Uh, stop me right there. That that was a big deal, Dino. You mentioned some heavyweight names and those that are sort of listening behind the wheel, they're driving, they're, 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 you know, they're novices and they, maybe they're going to do their own brakes. You mentioned some uh, big names, Auto Specialty. Uh, I, I, let's step back. You make it sound easy. I got to ask you as a brake manufacturer, what are some of the biggest challenges as it relates to the consumer? I mean, you're just, you're setting up uh, supplies to distributors, some great distributors like uh, Parts Authority, the Pronto brand out there. Uh, what is your challenge when manufacturing brakes? I want to give people a, a behind-the-scenes approach. What keeps you up, if you will, when it comes to brake manufacturing? Sure. Well, you know, brakes, the beauty about the brakes is there's no silver bullet. I mean, even at the OEM level, I mean, they're, they're spending years and, and literally uh, driving millions of miles in, uh, you know, in, at the equator uh, and, and, again, at the North Pole and everything in between trying to figure out you know the the climactic effects of uh, on the brake pads because there there is it's an ongoing science so it's it's a constant experiment so that's that's the biggest challenge and and you mentioned the consumer because even though we we sell to distributors my focus uh, is to go to actually go around the country to see installers and installer chains and and try to get the pulse of what their customers. Um, are are experiencing, you know, because ultimately no one wants wants to hear any noise coming from their brakes. Like you said, you know, the mouse and the hubcap. So we don't want that. So what we're trying to do is we glean from the OEMs. In other words, we don't come up with any of our own gimmicks that some, I would say, some of my competitors do. We look to see what they're doing, and we're inspired by what they do in terms of uh, friction materials, in terms of, and it's not just the friction material itself. I mean, there's components that make up a brake pad. There's the backing plate. There's the attaching hardware. There's the caliper hardware. These all all work in in harmony to you know that car get down the road without any issue. I got to ask you a question before we bring Dan in. You know this is uh, something that is uh, sort of debated. I've seen cars come in the garage um, when you have a brake pad with a backing plate, um, and 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 let's say one has installed that, and then it's a squeaker, and there's other problems really at the root cause. It's not the brake pad, and then that brake pad comes apart, and then they're putting a dippity do jelly stuff on the back. Could you talk to me about the harmonics of a brake pad? A lot of people are attempting to do their brakes. Maybe it's their second time. They're not professionals. Uh, I get them in the garage, and I see this dippity do stuff just 
puking out of the side of the caliper. It's a bloody mess. Do we need to do that with a quality brake pad? Now, one thing I do when I go to the shops around the country is I ask them a pretty pretty basic question. I go, you know, well, first I make a statement. I go, you know, uh, on planet Earth, every year there's about 50 to 80 million cars produced, okay? We're talking North and South America, Asia, Europe, all over, okay? And I ask them, I go, uh, how many of these cars do you think leave the factory with, as you say, the dippity-doo on the brake pads? And then I get sort of a deer-in-the-headlights sort of look coming back at me and thinking because they're probably thinking it's a trick question and it kind of is because the, the answer to that is you can guess is exactly zero so the manufacturers the oems do other things to try to mitigate any kind of noise issues that could be you know emanating from the, from the brake system and and these are kind of the tricks that we employ which enough a lot of uh, a lot of our competitors don't don't catch these things like coated hardware for example this is a thing and that coating by the way is a teflon that teflon as everyone knows from from the kitchen on out you know it's it's a a lubricant right so that's what they're using this dry lubricant rather than a wet lubricant which as you can imagine the second you roll out of the uh floor you're attracting grit and grime wheels and you know it's going to stick right onto that that which is uh, more of a problem than you know you were trying to solve yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So I, I think I think essentially what you're saying, and, and kudos for you to mention it, I mean, from the factory people, it's not coming that way. So if I'm going to try to increase, and I'm just going to say it, I'll be that guy, Dino. If I'm going to increase my margin, and I know I got a certain price point, and I know that I got to cut my cost on metals and all that tensile stuff we need, the, the, the kit, part of the kit, I don't need the Teflon coat. That's too much money, but I can add a little package of the dippity-doo to put it in there. And I'm going to get hate on this, but that's fact. And thank you, Dino, for mentioning that. Um, because if you do have good quality, and it's it's right from, as close can be, from the chefs in the kitchen at the OEs when we talk about material and so on and so forth, there's no need for that. So if you are planning to do that, you need to... So let me ask you this, Dino, before we bring Dan. One more question. And speaking to the audience that has a question, well, Frank, how do I know I am buying a good brake pad? What would you say to someone that, that uh, you know, has that question? You're talking about the, the, the vehicle. That's correct. How do I know I'm buying a good brake pad? And I, I know that's a large question. We can talk about trucks and cars. But in general, what say, should I be yeah, looking for other than hitting dynamic friction uh uh, com. <laughs> what do I look I mean, for? That would be a good start because if, <laughs> if someone was so interested, they could actually go on and see what we do that is different, right? Other than that, uh, honestly, you know, they they have to have a rapport with their with the mechanic, and I'm assuming that if they went in there, it's probably because they were there before and they 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 trust the company that they're working with, having had service, you know, on other aspects of the vehicle that you know that seemed to work. Uh, so you know, for their brake jobs, they. Um, they, they trust the mechanics to, to make the right choices for them. You know? Yeah, that's, that's a very good and that's, point. That's our job to go to, as I mentioned, you know, both Dan and I, we all over the country, going right to the shops. We actually work with our customers going to the shops to, to educate them on on products, but also some installation tips, as, as we just discussed about, you know, do you really need to put that 
in there, you know. Yeah. Danny B. Uh, aren't doing this type of thing. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, Danny B., uh, come on in yeah. the, 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 the conversation here. So Dino's mentioning, and by the way, you don't have to do that. You could just solely be a great manufacturer and really just communicate with the distributor. But to get to the end user, which is us service technicians, finding out, hey, what's going on on the street, that's stand up. I mean, that says we're paying attention. Um, Dan, do you find that, you know, we're going to get into the economy a little bit. I know your your specialty is manufacturing, but do you find the consumer may call around a garage and it was based upon some sort of loss leader, a deep loss leader, and it didn't go well because, um, you know, they weren't educated. So your job is to educate our service industry on how to present the value of good brakes. You're seeing that. Yes. What are we doing wrong? Yes. Well, I don't know that uh, I don't know that you guys are doing anything wrong. I think, if anything, um, you know, there's been so much misinformation in the past that at this point, you know, who do you believe? Who is telling you the truth as to how that brake pad is made, what goes into it, um, what's the technology? Until you actually try it and figure out, well, if they were telling you the truth or not. Uh, once you find that product that really does the job, you know, after that, it's really a matter of convincing the customer and informing and educating them what's the difference in putting in a good, a good quality brake pad and doing a good quality job. And, and I think that's where the issue lies. I think there's just been so much misinformation over the years that you guys have been told, um, that, uh, you know, sometimes you don't know what to say and things might go on price, right? Uh, so if anything, it's, it's really trying to find something that's worked very, very well for you and trusting in that product and then just conveying that to your customers, which they trust you, right? They're trusting you to put the right products onto their vehicles because they probably don't know. Um, so like Dino said, it's, it's really about that relationship they have with you, they have with their shop and, and the trust that they have and what's going to go onto their vehicle. All right, let's break uh, it down, Dan. You make, you make some good points. I don't mean to interject, but, um, you make really good points. And I, and I think part of, part of the, what you're saying as an industry, we may not be interviewing what the vehicle is designed to do. And, and we're going to talk about that. Um, do you guys see collectively, and I'll start with you, Dino, that we're really not interviewing our clients? The Kia Rio may have a different application than a Chevy truck. I mean, we're not interviewing the end result need, right? Could you talk to us, Dino, of how important it is to understand what this vehicle needs to do from a braking perspective? That's a, that's a great point because uh, that's exactly what we do. In fact, one of the key things we hit on is that with our program, unlike with, you know, any other program where the shop really is not an expert, they're working on hundreds, even thousands of types of cars and submodels and things like that. And so when the car comes in, you know, sometimes their, their uh, supplier forces them to, to, you know, answer the question, hey, do you want ceramic? Do you want semi-met? Do, do you want low-met? What, what do you want? So with the DFC program, we have done that Homework. In other words, when that Kia Rio comes in, 
or that Mustang comes in, or that Camaro comes in, or that F-150 comes in, we have 18 different formulas in our program. So we've done that homework to, to say, well, so, so the shop, all they have to do is go, you know what, I'm going to get DFC, I've got a 2007 F-150, send me the pads. Well, we're going to get the pads at truck that are designed for that truck with the material specific for that vehicle. So, so that's what we do. And this is one of the biggest problems that these uh, – you know, they have to make these decisions – tough you know you're you're flailing around got all these different projects going on and now i have to decide if i want to send me metal or metallic and do i want premium or or, or mid-grade or what do i want you know so this program is unique actually yeah in that only offers that one pad that one car if you have that car only one pad for it that's it end of story no that makes sense uh if you uh for all my consumers behind the wheel I think it's very important. Look, you're busy, and I get it. Frank, you can't tell. I don't I don't want to spend time. I just got to break noise, and I got to fix it. I get it. But I think you can ask those bright questions. A lot of you hear lifetime warranty. You think, okay, done deal. I'm lifetime. I'm not, not, I'm not knocking lifetime. But how about what was designed for the performance application, especially my truck community, for what this truck is designed to do, or this passenger vehicle, or uh, my my four-door Mercedes. And I think when you're dealing with the specifics, it takes a lot of that gray area where you have somebody making a choice not based upon the technicalities. Let's talk technicalities. Dan, a lot of people heard ceramic. A lot of people heard semi-metallic. Can we dive in for the consumer and, and get into why ceramic? What does that mean? Well, they said I needed ceramic pads. Can we dive into that, Dan? Explain ceramic. What, what's uh, what's big deal with ceramic? You know what? I, I'm actually going to refer that to Dino. He is the absolute expert on that. So I'm going to ask Dino to answer that one. Dino, you are the scientist. You are the great godfather <laughs> Frankenstein with all those chemists that you've got working for you. Um Please help me, because the consumer sometimes can get a little confused. Ceramic, what is the big deal with ceramic? Break well, there's no big deal. It's just it's just a, a formula that that they'll use that the OEMs would uh, designate it to use on a on a vehicle because they know it's going to be um, in a certain type of uh, be uh, used in a certain way. And it even goes so far as you know now they're starting to put ceramics on trucks on the light duty trucks. But let's say. For example, Ford, you know, they got the F-150, the 250, and the 350. Well, Ford, through their marketing, uh, has found that most of these F-150s, they're daily drivers. They're not, they're not workforce-type trucks, so they know that they're not going to be seeing these high temperatures. The customers are going to want clean, quiet performance, right? So they're going to they're, – and, and what they've done over the years, they, all the F-150s now, they come with the ceramic brakes. But you go to the F-250s and F-350s, guess what? They're OEM with the semi-mets. So you ask why? Why? Why do they make that distinction? Why? Why are they putting the semi-mets on the heavier duty trucks? Well, semi-metallic for those. Yeah, yeah. Semi-metallics. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking. No, it's okay. For, for, translate for me. No, it's all good. You're good. <laughs> so, so why they're doing that is because the, the semi-metallic pads have a, um, a characteristics whereby at elevated temperatures it will last longer. That's just the bottom line. So they know these vehicles are typically overloaded. 
their work trucks, plumbing trucks, you know, service vehicles. They're caught, they're running some of these fleets are running 24/7. So they're they're going to be uh, you know during these high temps, and a ceramic would absolutely be in that environment. So for example, we we you know, and Dan was there. In fact, he was my pilot in a test we did with an F-150 where become standard with uh, with OE ceramic pads, right? So we did a test uh, comparing the, the standard pad to we actually have a performance pad. So when someone does come in and they, they do have special characteristics that they're looking for, you know, performance or off-road, you know, we do have uh, materials for those vehicles. So we did a test. What we did was 10 stops, 60 to zero. And we have a video on this if people want to check it out. It's on our website. Stop 60 to zero. Ceramic pads wore down like for six millimeters in 10 stops. Basically half the pad was gone. Wow. You put in a performance pad that can deal with these elevated temps. Guess what? Pad wore out in the same exact test, eight of a millimeter, tenths of a millimeter. So, so these are the, these are the, the major distinctions and, uh, and people really, you know, should, should understand that. So they, and they do have these special, you know, where they're, they have, you know, needs for, uh, you know, if they're going to be using an F-150, let's say for, I don't know why, but for, for some performance application, or if it's going to be using that, they didn't get the 250 or the 350, they wanted the F-150 because maybe it's comfortable, but they're using it for a work truck. Well, then then they need to go to a semi-met pad, a heavy-duty semi-met pad, or a semi-metallic pad. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. Dan, that's why it's important. I, and I'll be, I'll be quite frank with you. We do a lot of training in the garage. Of course, it's technical, but what we're doing is we're actually – Listening to our phone calls, and, and I actually will cross-train that way, where I take one advisor's listening to another advisor's call, not to beat each other up, but how can we do this whole service experience better? And it does come down to the root of interviewing the client. And, and, and I think that in itself leads value when we can align, in this case, breaks, because there's so many variables. Guys, I tell you, it's like going to... TJ Maxx to look at shoes, man. I mean, you can get a $10 shoe and I use the shoe as an example, or you can buy a, a shoe that n it meets the purpose of what I am running around a 5k, or I may be walking or I may be hiking. Think of your brakes the same way. And, and, and sort of Dino, I like what you said. We're not going to leave the home base of the OEs. Like there's a reason why the OEs are successful, uh, i.e. coming from the factory and, 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 and building a quality product. You know, as a manufacturer, you, you want to follow those guidelines. So I, I, I say to you folks, ask the right questions. Uh, interview your mechanic as much as they need to interview you if you're new, uh, certainly referrals and such. Dan, you travel the country. Um, tell us, give us an insight of what your day looks like, because uh, I know we're going to meet at Apex. We're going to talk about that. And if you're just yeah. joining us, uh, dynamicfriction.com, when they said videos, man, you guys have a smorgasbord of educational stuff. Any company that's going to lead forward with the education, they're transparent. They want to let you know how this, or I'll rephrase, what's in it for me? How many ask you that? What's in it for me? Well, what's in it for me is I'm paying you. And I want, I want good stopping breaks to last with no harmonics. In other words, noise. Squeakers. I don't want squeakers. Dan, what do you do during the day, man? I know, I know you're busy. <laughs> well, I, I usually help my distributors, you know, stock my product and make sure they get that product as close as possible to you guys, right, that are installing the brakes, 
or if they're buying it online, however it may be, so that, uh, you know, a customer can get, uh, or a vehicle owner can get their vehicle repaired as soon as possible. You know, when the brakes go, it's a car down situation, and that could get very expensive, right? If they uh, can't go to work, they can't drop off their kids, you name it. So in that case, it's something that needs to be repaired immediately, and getting the products as close as possible to where they need it is, is probably what I work on the most, right? Just getting across the U.S., uh, even down to Latin America, um, there's all these pockets of different types of vehicles, um, so it's it's a matter of trying to get that right mix of product um, close to that vehicle park that makes sense for, for that area. Uh, you know, in the Midwest, you'll see a lot of trucks, um, some import vehicles. You start going to the edges of the country, and you'll see a mishmash of anything and everything. Um, you'll go to the Northeast. It's usually newer vehicles because older vehicles just don't last there because of the rust, uh, the salt on the roads, whereas in California... Arizona. I mean, we've got people driving you know, vehicles from the seventies still. So. I, I laugh uh, because uh, I, I tell all my my you know my national shops uh, on the other side of Mississippi, keep those cars on your side because Arizona <laughs> Southwestern mechanics, we need therapy if we see oxidation. <laughs> I mean, really, you should see my guys. Hey, Frank, this caliper mount ain't coming off. Uh, what do we do? I said, well, do torches. And meanwhile, the East Coast and Midwest people, they're laughing at us. <laughs> they do. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Frank, it's next level. I mean, until you experience it, you cannot imagine. You know, I'm a California boy. I, mean, I live in Vegas now, but, you know, born and raised in California. And, you know, I'm, I was not used to seeing that. When I first saw these vehicles, I mean, they are brakes. They're being... And the, the gouges that the rust just ate away. It's, it's amazing, incredible. yeah. It is amazing. Metal, yeah. Uh, we're, we're spoiled that way, and that's why, I mean, for those of you listening that have just been in, all my California listeners as well, in the high desert, yeah, I mean, we some of you may have seen it, but that's why, like, Pennsylvania has the gold standard for state testing because, hey, they're going to call out a subframe that's got rot from oxidation at 67,000 miles. I mean... So I, I think that gives perspective. And, and, and this leads me to the next point. And certainly, uh, you gentlemen can chime in. If you're doing your brakes, do what it takes to do the job right. Let us start with a conversation because some people feel let's go ahead and what we call pad slap. In other words, I just need brake pads and that brake rotor still looking good. Dino, what's the problem with that? If, if I'm just going to do my brake job and I'm just going to slap pads on a rotor that looks okay, why is it important to address that brake rotor? Well, I mean, first of all, unless you're, you're engineering the thing and you're taking it out and you're getting the, 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 the micrometer out and you're measuring the disc thickness variation and you're measuring the lateral runout, oh, these are fancy terms just to see if the thing's wobbling, right? So there's really no way to, to do that unless you're really, really thorough. But by that time, you should have just replaced the darn thing. Um, so you're always better off and, and replacing it. And then, then there's other things to consider. You know, what kind of pad was on there and what kind of film transfer was being laid on there? Uh, and then is it something that the new pad will be able to scrape off or will it? Okay, you said it. Oh, I got to Oh, Dino, you just, oh, my goodness. You said something right there. Let's educate folks. You said film transfer. Folks don't realize. They, they think brake pad lining starts to thin. We get to two millimeters 
thickness, news, whatever, 10, 11, 12, whatever it is. But talk to us about film transfer. When you apply that brake pad onto a spinning rotor, what is film transfer for those that may not know? And how, how bad is that if we're going to just reuse the rotor? That's an extended. It can get to be an extended conversation, but to try to, to try to talk about it quickly, you know, pads will will down a, a transfer layer and then next revolution scrape it back off, and that's that's how they how they wear. That's how they stop. That's how they wear. The problem is um, sometimes that transfer layer, depending on if it's a, a poor quality pad or or be, uh, a, there's all kinds of combinations. You could have a rotor with maybe too much run out and, and not enough, and the pad is not retracting enough in the caliper, so that one little high spot, which apparently every rotor has some kind of run out, okay? So let's just get that out of the way. You can never have a flat rotor. Everything's got a bit of run out. But if it's a perfect storm where, you know, the pad is not retracting all the way back into the caliper, the hubs are a little bit loose, so the rotor's even moving around a little bit more, and at one high spot, it's making contact uh, revolution on that one high spot with the brake pad. Well, what people don't realize, people think a warped rotor condition is really that pad entering the, the film, a layer of film at one high spot, which guess what? is going to get higher every revolution, nominally, very, very, very nominally higher to the point where then, you know, they drive for 10 miles or so down the highway, they go to stump on the brakes, then they get that gutter, that you step on the brakes and the things just shake, the wheels shaking, pedals pulsating. You know, what the heck happened? You know, my, my rotors are warped. And that's not really what happened. It's just that the there's been a, a transfer of film in one area of the rotor, um, and it, that's what's create, what, what creates the problem. So that's a huge misconception, actually, even at the shop level where... 100%. You know, oh, this, I came in with warped rotors, and, you know, we proved it time and time again where, you know, there's this invisible layer you can't really see because all you're, you're looking at the rotor you don't really see the you know the transfer layer is very very thin but all, all we're talking about here is four or five thousandths of an inch all you need to just muck up the whole the whole system oh. it's very tight oh. tolerances and i gotta i gotta admit um and and my folks know me i'm very transparent i, I i'm grateful to learn every day dino in compton uh, visited your factory, and I was that young technician that believed a rotor was heated, it was warped, and then your chemist, Dr. Such-and-Such, such, we visited the dinos and we took a tour, he educated us, and I literally, my neck went, whoa, <laughs> brake pad transferring onto this rotor. So I want you listening to understand something. You may not have a situation with a warped rotor and you feel well rotor seems good you introduce a new brake pad only you're going to introduce new problems think about what dino just said think about as a young technician what i heard the science and fact is that that rotor takes that brake pad lining and it's kissing it unkissing kissing unkissing it's going to embed that lining to create these, well, in some occasions, microscopic. We're talking thousands, very small hills and valleys on a rotor. Think of it that way. Think about it, a flat plate, and you don't clean it. you still got hills and valleys. It's probably not a good example, Dino, as, a, as an engineer. But, but my point is, people, do what it takes. Uh, Dan, you're, do a, you're doing a great job at keeping 
And this is for the consumer to know. You guys all know Supply Channel. You've heard of it. If your mayonnaise is out, you get grumpy. Or if it increased in price, then it's supply chain. Yada, yada, yada. Dan, I got to give you kudos because there's a thing called fill rate in the industry. And I raise my hand. If my product is not available, my good quality product that I'm representing to my client, they said, Frank, Mm -hmm. fix it. You represent the whole fix. The workmanship of labor and the quality of my part. So you can give me that long distance warranty and I'm out of here because I want to just get it fixed and done. Your main gig, Dan, and this can shift and I and I get it, is to keep your distributors, keep those ovens full of those nice brownies, those nice prey pads. Can I use that analogy? Uh, that's not an easy gig. Uh, so, Dan, the question to you, and this is more supply chain and, and part of manufacturing, um, do you see a sizable shift in catalog changes in the last two to three years, let's go into post-COVID. Did you see this uptick in a particular part number, which would rep- represent maybe, wow, there's more trucks out there? Or can you give us some behind the scenes? What are you seeing for a shift um, that may be an uptick in volume for a particular platform or vehicle? No, I think what I've seen is a lot more uh, parts proliferation. And it's, uh, it's a fancy term for saying there's a lot more parts a lot more different parts, and it goes back to, I think it all ties back into having a quality part, right? So we first began talking about um, OE manufacturers, how they design something specifically for that platform. Well, now, um, you know, you've got a Porsche Cayenne with, I, I believe, certain years have nine or ten different brake options, Right, so that means that if you want a quality part, you need to provide something that has nine, ten, or eleven, twelve different variations of a part for those vehicles. That's just on the front, and then on the back of the car, of course, there's other variations as well. And I'm just talking brake patch, rotors, drilled and slotted, just drilled, you name it. So I think that's what's become one of the most difficult issues. Um, and that's, you know, when it comes back to cataloging, to your question about cataloging, um, you know, how do you catalog that? How do you make sure that you as a shop or customers that are going to do their own vehicles get that right part that's designed specifically for the vehicle that they have? There's so many trim options, so many different platforms now that, uh, you know, just getting that right part on the vehicle is what's becoming the most, the most challenging. And, of course, getting that part as close as possible to that customer. And, and I want to think about, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. That's just perfectly said, which makes it uh, not impossible, but more challenging. You're definitely on your toes as manufacturers. Distributors are on their toes, but I want to just remind folks, I want to, I want to get, I want a reality check right now. If you are that individual that goes in for service to the local rock star mechanic or the dealer, take a deep breath and take your time. There's no drive-through cheeseburger-style automotive service experience. If you're getting that, you're getting shortchanged because what Dan spoke upon, and Dino certainly can feel this as a manufacturer, is it takes us in the garage that much longer. You know, we're I service a lot of European vehicles. It could take me twice as long, sometimes three times as long, to build an accurate accurate, detailed estimate 
of services you need. And I'll even tell you if you drive the Kia Rio, my Kia Rio family, give that service advisor time to get it right. Because guess what you get at 3 o'clock? Well, sir, ma'am, blah, 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 we got the wrong parts. <laughs> now, why is that? Because one is rushed. That VIN is the DNA of a vehicle. And, and Dan brought up a Porsche. Uh, Mercedes, BMW, oh my goodness, all you Land Rover rock stars. It is complicated because there are, what did you want as a consumer? You wanted all these different options. It's not clear. Back in the day, we had uh, LT, LS, oh daddy, I got the ES, and that was your trim package. (laughs) And there weren't very many variations, and for those in the industry, you get it. So give them time. A good shop will communicate with you, but give them the opportunity. Plan your service experience because that local shop or dealership wants to do it for you as well. And these cars are complicated. And kudos to uh, DynamicFriction.com. Dino, you guys are, are, you can compare this to 20 years ago. Am I right? The trim levels were just like, I don't know, it's a kaleidoscope right now, would you say? Oh my gosh! It was so much easier. I mean, there were probably <laughs> uh, there were probably 400 part numbers we had to deal with back in the day, and and you know you had well you work on the European cars right? You had one set of Mercedes pads that worked for literally 20 years. I mean, from the 70s into the 90s. Okay, I mean, for the you, you all you had to do is call up and say I have a Mercedes a 1980 Mercedes. Okay, stop right there. I know what you need. You know? Oh the, yeah, it was that, like we had a, a cheat sheet with like six of the common. In fact, back in the day, we would even we were bold. We were stocking parts. <laughs> now we couldn't unless I got a exactly. And you could, and it made sense back then. Today, it's absolutely insane to do that, right? So that's that's another complication for you know your your listeners, uh, um, uh, the installers that they have to, to work with because th- those days are pretty much waning. They're they're gone away, so they really have to depend on the distributor. Because to your point. I mean, now I can tell you, for example, uh, like on a, on a Range Rover, uh, which, you know, there's many European vehicles. They have, well, do you have, the, you know, the V6? Is it the, you know, non-turbo, V6 turbo? Do you have the V8? And do you have... Which oh, you suspension? Have v- okay, is it, yeah. Is yeah. it the comfort package or the performance package? Yeah. You know, it's like, wait, what? Yeah. And so it drives everyone nuts. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, yeah. a, that's the other challenge that we've got. And that's why our cataloging... Uh, is is so important because you we have to refine it down to a level that we never ever had to, to focus on before. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It keeps so. you on your toes. You guys do an amazing job. Um, before we get into Dan's story, uh, all my industry family, October thirty first to November second, I'll be out there with you, maniacs, you mechanical maniacs at Apex, the automotive aftermarket part expo. Of course, dynamic fi- friction, representing full force. Godfather Breaks, Dan, your team. Where can they find you at Apex at the booth? Give us some sense. It's uh, 82079. So that's the booth number. And it's all the way back in the second story, the second floor, all the way back. If anything, if you're looking for the beer garden, that's we're right in front of it. Oh, that's all we had to hear. Beer garden. Yeah, that's right. Dynamic friction. We're kind of like <laughs> you're smart. Dangerfield of breaks. You know, they put us in the back. We get no respect. That's okay, so. <laughs> but you do get respect under hood and from the serve so the professional service technician. I will tell you that one thing that we get grumpy about because look, people, I can lose a lifetime of a client. I've seen it and it hurts. I've got a gentleman. 
or a wonderful gal coming in. They've been coming in for years. And I got to, it's like a ballet, man. I can't be off step. And if I become that rogue tuba player falling all over the place with their service and poor quality parts. So thank you. I want to represent the industry and thank you guys for putting out a quality part. You make us look good. Hey, Frank, can I just step in? And, and I think something that it's, it's, it's incredibly important to talk about is when it comes to price. And something that's amazing to see is, is twofold. Um, you know, for your, for your listeners that, are, that own their own vehicle, that are doing their own, their own brake jobs, um, a lot of times they're going by price. And, and they're thinking that, you know, if, if they can get a lower price pad, they're still going to get what they need. Um, and that's just not the case. I mean, in, in the case of brake pads, it definitely has to do with, you know, once you get into the upper level of a price for a brake pad, it does make a difference. And then on the flip side, I think on shops, a lot of times you're a bit afraid to tell, you know, to tell your customers, hey, you really, you know, I know you can only spend this, or they're afraid to quote them a sticker shock of something higher. But it really behooves them to understand that if you want your car to stop properly, if you don't want it to make noise, you want everything, you've got to pay a little bit more. And I just see that there's still a lack of, I guess, importance in getting the brake job done right. So you've, you've talked about that a lot, but it's incredible. You know, you've got a, a phone that's a thousand bucks, but you want the cheapest brake pads. 100%. And I'll speak to, I'll, I'll speak to this. We got a few minutes left, gentlemen. Dan, you're spot on. Yeah. And I will say, whether it's brakes, whether it's an oil service visit, whether it's a, a, a gasket or whether it's a sensor, we are only as good as the processes we have. We cannot beat up our parts people and our manufacturers. It, you, you just can't do it. And if you expect to buy, and I speak to my people behind the wheel, and you get you get into this uh, inexpensive brake situation, you may stop, but you will have symptoms. Don't play with brakes. It is not only safety, but dang it, you deserve a quiet ride, period. Yeah. Whether it's a Hyundai or Mercedes, you don't want your neighbors giving you that look. <laughs> oh my gosh we ran out of time uh i'll tell you what no. dan i'm gonna bring you back we're gonna dedicate a whole show because i want to share with the world the amazing race family that you've got with your youngsters and as a parent all the great things that you're doing um i apologize we've run out a little time but you got my dedicated show uh we're gonna sure. give that to you because you've got a lot of fascinating things that would inspire a lot of folks Dino Crescentini, Danny B, you guys get on DynamicFriction.com. And I'm telling you, if I see at Apex and you're not at by the beer garden visiting Dynamic Friction, DFC, I'm coming after you. <laughs> An honor to hang with you, you guys. Thank you so much for joining Ranch Nation. We'll do this again. Of course, I'll see you at Apex. Uh, forward to it. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Right on. And, and thank you to all your listeners. Thank you. Uh, as we said, visit uh, dynamicfriction.com for more details. And, of course, that Apex booth by the Beer Garden. Beer Garden. Have a little drink, talk parts. It's all good. As I tell you every week, be safe. Hug each other. And never forget to hug a mechanic. <laughs>